that God's trying to get us to see that he's designed us to become like him. He's the king in all his glory, Mm -hmm. but he's the king of kings, and that's us. We're that royal priesthood. And when we step up in maturity in the thing that he's trying to, to do in us, to make us like him, that is the greatest flattery to him. Because we're becoming like him. God promises in Joel 2.28 to pour out his spirit on all humanity. Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for that promised outpouring, and we equip for that outpouring so that we may engage in that very outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. Philip and I are going to talk about what it means to be flattering to Jesus. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. We're so glad that you're with us today on this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we get started, we want to encourage you to go to our website, globaloutpouring.net, And you can see that we have a podcast player there so that you can browse through our podcasts or you can do that on it on your favorite podcast platform, whatever that is. But you can only see on our website what our events are that we're having coming up. And you can leave us some feedback there or you can email us at feedback at globaloutpouring.org. So today we're talking about the sincerest form of flattery. You know, uh, you've probably heard the expression, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Somebody in church yesterday said that, and it just went into me like an arrow. And I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted to give us a download about this subject because uh, at one point Paul said, be ye imitators of me as I am of Christ. Mm -hmm. And, And it's really about you know, we, we've learned a lot from Paul in, in his writings, and we've learned a lot from the Gospels, but, you know, there weren't any Gospels in the days when he was writing the, those uh, epistles. They didn't have any reference books either. No, they didn't, but we do. <laughs> and we can look at these books of, of the Bible and, we, and, and the many tools and helps and, and other kinds of books that have been written to help us to, to know the Lord better. And it's really about intimacy is the beginning of imitation. You're going to begin to have an idea of who he is as you, as you look into his word and as you read in, in his word. Ask the Holy Spirit to to enlighten the eyes of your understanding, as it says in the book of Ephesians, that your, that your uh, understanding may be enlightened. And as you spend time in the presence of the Lord and spend time uh, worshiping him and spend time in the word, spend time just waiting on him, listening for what he has to say. Lots of times, I don't know if you journal or not, but, but I highly recommend journaling that if if you if you have something on your heart that you're wanting to talk to the Lord about, you just sit down and you you write your question and then just listen for the answer. And before you start trying to um, figure out what what is that 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 I'm hearing, just write down what you hear and judge it later. Let it let it be judged against the Word of God. Let it be judged by the Holy Spirit. 
And maybe you need to bounce it off of somebody else if you have questions. Somebody you trust in the Spirit who's walked with the Lord for a long time and and has experience in the Lord. The Lord wants to talk to you. He wants to make his voice clear to you so that so that you know his voice. The, the word says, my sheep know my voice. That's what Jesus said. My sheep know my voice. And they will follow me and another they will not follow. And and getting into that intimate way of of knowing him is how you begin to become like him. There's a there's a scripture in First uh, John three two that talks about becoming like him. And Philip, would you read that from the from the the Passion, please? First John three two to three. Beloved, we are God's children right now. However, it is not yet apparent what we will become. But we do know that when it's finally made visible, we will be just like him, for we will see him as he truly is. And all who focus their hope on him will always be purifying themselves, just as Jesus is pure. The goal of a disciple is to become like his master. Mm-hmm. That's always the goal of the disciple. And, yeah. and Jesus said that, um, you know, you're not going to be better than your master, but you can become like him. And as we see him, the more that we see him, the more that we see who he is and how he is. And we're going to continually uh, be working at lining ourselves up with him. It's like he is our plumb line. He's the one that is showing us the straight way. He's, he's the one that we're seeing when we're looking in the word. We're seeing what his character is like. And we're, we're letting the Holy Spirit work inside of us to develop that character and to develop that, that maturity. That's what gives him glory when we become like him. Mm-hmm. When we become carriers of his light, when we, when we uh, get an understanding of that's, that that's what he's trying to get from us. Um, I was reading recently Laurel Hobbs' book, Broken and Made Whole. You can get it in our bookstore um, it, it's a marvelous book of her testimony. And she's talking in it in, in this one particular place about uh, when she was she was with her sons, uh, I guess they were in a boys' choir, and they went to England. So they got to do some tourist kind of stuff. And she says, on, I'm going to quote from her book, on one of our days of touring, we went to the Tower of London. We stood in a very long line of tourists who were waiting to see the crown jewels. I was shepherding at the back end of our group and essentially alone. As I got closer to the building, I could feel an anointing come upon me, and I wondered why this was happening. Then I started to cry. I was surprised. I was not consciously sad in any way. I wondered what the Holy Spirit wanted to show me. As I got closer to the building, I could see a large overhead screen with a video on it that was in a loop. It was footage of Queen Elizabeth II arriving for her coronation at Westminster Abbey. So we know now that that was over 70 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) The crowd celebrated as she arrived. Once she was inside the abbey, we all watched her receiving her royal mantle, the scepter, the orb, and the crown. A group of men were standing behind her in a semicircle and helping her with the process. I watched as tears streamed down my face. I wondered what was going on within me. The Holy Spirit then whispered to me, That's you. Wow. I said, No, Lord. I could just as easily have said, Get behind me, Satan. It all seemed ridiculous. 
I heard the Holy Spirit say again, Laurel, that is you. No, Lord. Then in a tone that sounded a little angry, he said, that's you. And if you can't accept that, I can't use you. Oh. That startled me. I repented for what had now been revealed to me as my arrogant assumptions of the way that humility looked in a large dose of my insecurities. I was stunned. Then I pondered. Ah, I remembered. The royal priesthood. The authority given to us by Jesus through his name was a revelation that was shaking the foundations of the way that I saw myself compared with the way that he saw me. Beautiful. Isn't that a beautiful story? Yeah. Uh, it really moved me because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you just, maybe it's my insecurities. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've seen the crown jewels. Yes. We were there at the Tower of London, and, and it's just, you can't describe it. You know, no, the they're, they're amazing. Priceless gems and crowns and yeah. from royalty going back hundreds of years. Right. And the point is that God's trying to get us to see that he's designed us to become like him. He's the king in all his glory, mm-hmm. but he's the king of kings, and that's us. We're that royal priesthood. And when we step up in maturity in the thing that he's trying to to do in us, to make us like him, that is the greatest flattery to him Mm. because we're becoming like him. The more we look at him, the more we become like him. That's that scripture going from glory to glory by by gazing on him. Mm -hmm. And he's wanting to help us to become like him. Now, the word Christ is from the Greek word Christos. And the Greek word Christos means the anointed one. And the word Moshiach in Hebrew, uh, anglicized into English, is Messiah. Messiah. Uh-huh. Okay? And it means, in English, the anointed, anointed one. one. <laughs> and he's trying to get us to see that Christians... Christians, we have his name right there. It's his title. We are to be anointed ones. And it's not just for the ones who are apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers. It's for the whole body, fitly joined together. Every member of the body is to be carrying his anointing because we're carrying his name. And when we when we don't behave like him, it's very unflattering to him. Oh. So our imitation of him is to be something that flatters him so, so very much. Uh, I remember also in church yesterday, the speaker, Hannah Brim, uh, who is the granddaughter of Dr. Billy Brim, she was sharing something that... Um, that Kenneth Hagen wrote about, and I found it on on uh, the rhema.org website. Kenneth Hagen is writing this. In 1948, I pastored a small church in East Texas. In December of that year, I took time to wait on God. We did not have recorders in those days, but I always had a pad of paper handy. If the Spirit spoke, I would write it down. That day the Lord said something that I've kept with me ever since. So here's the quote of what the Lord said on December 1st, 1948 to Kenneth E. Hagan. The secret 
to a successful apostolic ministry full of faith and power, using the divine given instruments of travail and compassion, will make you irresistible. Travail and compassion. Hmm. Travail uh-huh. and compassion. Um, Paul says in, uh, in Galatians 4.19, he says, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed, formed in, in you. you. Uh-huh. Paul had to travail. Now, if you're not familiar with travail, travail is a kind of intercessory prayer that is when the Holy Spirit moves you in such a way that it's like birthing a baby. Mm. Now, for those of you who have never birthed a baby, (laughs) just imagine pushing, pushing really hard. And sometimes it actually hurts. I mean, it's sometimes that your abdominal muscles actually contract like, like you're like you're in pushing like you're in labor and it's a it's a reality i didn't know what was happening to me the first time it happened i'd never heard of travail i just found myself doing it mm-hmm. it was wow. i was moved on by the holy spirit and i knew wow. it was god and i was just i was just howling with with the spirit you know it, it, like in in romans 8 it, it talks about how the spirit we don't know how to pray right, as we are. ought, yeah. but the spirit with groanings that cannot be uttered or that, that are that are unspeakable or that that you can't articulate, that that even just groaning can be an action of the Holy Spirit through us in prayer. And he is doing something in us and through us that's accomplishing something in the spirit realm that we might not even understand. But if we'll just give way to it, it will make a difference. So Paul is saying that he is travailing for the the people of, of the Church of Galatia who had bought into a lie that they would now need to keep the law when they were Gentiles, that they would now need to um, become students of the law, probably not only the law, but the traditions of the, of the Pharisees. Um, these, these were the things that, that Paul was saying, this is not what makes you saved. This is not mm-hmm. what gets you into heaven. It's letting Christ be formed in you, letting the Messiah be formed in you, becoming like him. So that travail is a huge part of intercession. And uh, I'll just put in a a little plug for our founder's book. Gwen Shaw wrote this book called uh, Pour Out Your Heart, and it's a Bible study on travailing intercessory prayer. I highly recommend it and uh, really, really, really encourage you to go to our website. You can get it either as a PDF or as a book that we can send to you. So if you're listening from someplace other than the United States or Canada, uh, and it's difficult to get books shipped to you, uh, you can get the PDF and just download it and read it on your computer or device. And it will help you to understand this idea of travailing intercessory prayer. But Jesus the Christ is that anointed one, and Paul was travailing for Christ to be formed in the mm-hmm. Church of Galatia, in the people. And this idea of compassion and travail together, having the compassion of Jesus is really what what puts you into the works that he did, because the compassion is what causes miracles to happen. Mm-hmm. Pra- a prayer life 
that is full of travail and compassion is going to make you irresistible to people being drawn to you to get the goods because you've got the goods. If you're walking in a life of imitating Jesus, if you're walking with the Holy Spirit to let his his spirit travail through you and and bring you into into these um, apostolic gifts and divine given instruments. These are these are things that God wants to do in all of his people. He wants to make all of us apostolic. He wants mm-hmm. to make all of us prophetic. He wants to make all of us able to teach. And that doesn't mean having a a name in front of you, a doctor this or yeah, prophet yeah. this, apostle that. That's... Yeah, we don't need the titles. We just need to walk in Christ-likeness. Mm-hmm. Well, Psalm 145 and verse 8 in the Amplified Classic says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and abounding in mercy and loving kindness. This is the character of Christ. And you find you find also the, the fruit of the Spirit, the love and the joy and the peace and the long-suffering and the patience and the compassion, It's it, the kindness, it's all there being spelled out for us. These are things that, that the Holy Spirit will do in us as we're in the process of, of becoming mature in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes. So one of the things that uh, when, when Isaiah was in heaven in that uh, that experience that he had in chapter 6 where he the the Lord caught him away in the year that King Uzziah died and and he he said I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send and who will go for us then said I here am I send, send me, me. Mm-hmm. God wants us to have that heart that's ready to go wherever he wants us to go, wherever he's, he's looking for people who are going to cooperate with him, yield to him, submit to him, flow together with him. We're in Christ and Christ is in us. Jesus himself, through the power of his Holy Spirit, is living inside of us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's like his, his being is superimposed over us and our being is superimposed over him. And it's, it reminds me of those see-through things of the organs of the body. It, it, it was in the encyclopedia. In the encyclopedias that, <laughs> in the 70s, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember. There were layers. There were layers, yeah. yeah uh-huh. And, and it's, like, it's like one is superimposed over the other. And, and um, that's how I see Jesus being superimposed over us and us being superimposed over the indwelling Christ. And it's, it's, we're all in one. But he's just so he's he's twice as much as me, you know, and and really more so. That I don't mean that in, in terms of numerically. But he's he's there on the outside. He's there on the inside. And all I have to do is yield, because mm-hmm. he's there. He's there and he's moving on me by his spirit and and he wants to he wants to nurture that gift that's in me and he wants me to help others nurture the gift that's in them and 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 this is this is about all hands on deck so that we're we're maturing the body of Christ. Yes. Uh-huh. And the world is looking for what we have. So God is calling us into deeper places of his glory. He wants us to go on with him into maturity. He, so how do you do that? Submit to him. Oh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And spend time with him. Yeah, that's the key is uh, spending time. 
It's true. That's, that is the one commodity that we have, and sometimes we think of it as though it's our own, when it's really not. It's what we're operating in, but it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. It's all in his hands. Mm-hmm. And he can, he can take us outside of time in a moment when we're connecting with him. And he can then put us back, you know, like, like Dean Braxton, when he went to heaven for an hour and 45 minutes, it felt like way more time than that. Because all mm-hmm. of the stuff that he experienced was way more than what you could experience in an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh. Eternity is beyond us. But we have him in us and he's eternal. So we have access to that eternal realm. And he wants to just take us deeper, 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 deeper all the time deeper, because he's in this continuous expanse. We, we talked about expanse in an earlier podcast. I'll, mm-hmm. yeah. I'll, I'll put a, a link to it in the show notes. But he's looking for us to connect with his heart. And I just keep wanting to ask, I have been asking now for a long, long time, Lord, connect me to your heart. Mm-hmm. I want to know you by heart, heart to heart. Put your heart in me. Well, his heart is full of compassion. And he's looking for us to walk in that compassion and to let his compassion ooze out through us. Um, I remember hearing different apostolic kind of people, prophetic people, um, ministers that are operating in in a, a strong supernatural gift that they talk about sometimes the compassion of the Lord comes on them when they pray. And they yeah, know uh-huh. that in that moment, that person's going to get a miracle because they feel the compassion of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He was moved by compassion. By compassion, yes. Uh-huh. I remember that story about Reinhard Bonnke that I never actually heard him tell it, but I heard someone else retell it. So I'm retelling it for... Uh, I don't know if it, this is second hand or third hand or fifth <laughs> hand. So um, I, I I can only tell it as I understand that what happened. But one day, uh, Reinhard Bonnke was tired and he, he had a day off and, and he just wanted to have just a restful day and just be a normal person and not not do what he normally does with, with the, the crowds and crowds of people who come to know Jesus in his meetings. And he was he was out and about in a, I don't know, maybe a hardware store or something. That's what I picture. I don't know where he actually was. But someone walked up to him and said, can you tell me how to get saved? <laughs> and and he, inside he's kind of steaming a little bit because he, he had asked the Lord to just let him have a normal day. Do I, do I really have to minister today? That should be a normal day. <laughs> well, yeah, it probably is. But he wanted, <laughs> he wanted some other kind of a He normal. wanted a break. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he wanted a break. And, and of course, he stepped up and he did what he needed to do and he helped the man get saved. And I'm sure he did it graciously. But afterwards, he was asking the Lord, you know, why, why, why did, why did you have to do this to me? Because I really just wanted to just take a day off. And the Lord said something like this to him. I'm living inside of you and I can look out your windows anytime I want to. Mm-hmm. And so oh. in the compassion of the Lord, looking out through his windows, looking mm-hmm. out through his eyes. He was moved by seeing that man and that, and drew that man to him. He was irresistible. He had travailed. Yeah. And many others had travailed too. Um, 
Christine Darg used to be one of his intercessors. I think maybe oh, maybe wow. I maybe his I think maybe his lead intercessor at one time years ago. And she and the intercessory team, as I understand it, they would be under the platform while he was preaching mm-hmm. and interceding and praying. And we saw that in Argentina, Carlos Sendacandia. Yeah. Big stage and you know, just amazing all the intercessors under mm-hmm. under the stage. You couldn't see them, but they were there. Yeah. And wow. and it's the intercessors that makes the difference for the evangelist. That's what happened with uh, Charles Finney. Yes. I mean, the people would fall under conviction before he, when he was like miles away from town. Yeah. You know, because his presence was coming. Right. You know, it's kind of like looking at a picture of a, there's a little short video out there of the Andover, Kansas tornado. The guy's taking a picture of the tornadoes coming closer and closer, but um it's like it's still a block away or more, and also his white picket fence just explodes whoosh, because of the winds around the tornado. Oh, you know yeah. that you'd actually didn't see them, but they were there. Yes, and it's kind of like that in intercession too. That's a good, analogy. very good. I've never thought of that before. That's good. But what a lot of people don't know when they read the, his book says he had an intercessor, but go to the city before he got there, mm-hmm. kind of laying the ground, the spiritual groundwork. Right. And he would travail, and he would intercede. So who gets the glory in the natural? <laughs> it's uh, Mephini. Right. right. And but it no, was Father Nash. Had, Father Nash. <laughs> it was actually, so his reward is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And even as Jesus said before, you know, you, you pray those, you go to prayer in secret, you know, instead of uh, out in the marketplace, mm-hmm. you know, where people can see you. Right. You know, you have a, they have their reward is what he's, he said, those that were kind of praying to themselves, but, but right. those that pray in secret, the Father will honor. That's true. Maybe, maybe not on this planet, but yes. in eternity. Yes, very true. Very so true. if you're not out there being seen, that's okay. Yeah, do the job that God gives you. And there's a great reward for the intercessors. Yes, amen. You know, the, one of the things that God gave us when he gave us this new name of, of Global Outpouring is that we would contend for the outpouring. Yes, and amen. and it's the intercessors that are are going to get great rewards for contending for this outpouring. And this this ministry's been known for contending in intercession and travail ever since Sister Gwen wrote that book Pour Out Your Heart back in the <laughs> 70s. And it's something that we have learned. We we grew up it spiritually with yeah. with that kind of thing. And God wants to bring that into this generation. He wants to impart that understanding of of intercession and how to pray and how to travail and how to be moved by the compassion of the Lord. Jesus spent time in prayer. Mm-hmm. He spent time uh, when everybody else was sleeping. He'd get up early in the morning before while it was still dark, and he would go to prayer. And in his prayer time, he would learn what he's going to do that day because he would only do what he saw his father doing. So his father would show him at the beginning of the day, I believe, I believe that this is what what was happening, that God would show him what was to be his his plan for the day, his assignment for the day. Who's going to stop here? Who's going to say this? Who's going to say that? Um, who's going to do that? Who, wh- wh- where's that woman is going to with the issue of blood that's going to touch the seat seat of my prayer shawl? Or where's that woman at the well? Yeah, where's that woman at the well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 all of these things. He spent time in prayer, and and Evan Roberts spent time in prayer before the Welsh revival, and and the the people that interceded. Bef- prayer begins 
the move. Mm-hmm. It's prayer yeah. that starts the move. And so we're believing God for this contending, for this outpouring. We want to contend and equip and engage in this outpouring. But it's really all about coming to know him and being moved by his compassion and becoming like him, carrying that anointing, carrying that anointing of, of glory, carrying that anointing of his presence. We're to be carriers. We're to be those that are, that are making a difference. Uh, as I was praying after, after I began to get this download about this podcast, I was in prayer and I saw, <laughs> I don't know, was I falling asleep? I, th- I don't know. It, it was just in that moment I saw a, a picture in my mind of a pallet of Tide laundry detergent. Uh-huh. Now, Tide is a really strong laundry detergent. You uh-huh. know, uh, we've we've known people who said that's the only kind of detergent to use. I don't particularly use it myself, but I saw this, and I think it has something to do with the tide that's coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah. There you go. You, you know the you know the the prophecy from 1934 that mm-hmm. that Arthur Burke carried around that that there shall come a breath, and the breath shall bring the wind, and the wind shall bring the rain. And there shall be floods and floods and floods and torrents and torrents and torrents. Souls shall be saved like leaves being swept from the mighty oaks in a, in a hurricane. Arms and legs will come down from heaven and there shall be no ebb. This tide is going to come in and it's going to stay. stay. Yes. Uh-huh. And the other thing that I saw in, in this idea of, of this um, laundry detergent is that, that God is in the process of cleansing us. Mm-hmm. Laundry detergent gets out the stains, right? Uh-huh. We can wash with the water of the word. And, and uh, just as a reminder of what June Lewis ta- taught us years and years ago was that the soft things are cleansed by water, mm-hmm. and hard, hard things, things are cleansed by fire. Mm. <laughs> so it's yeah. best to let the, t- the tide uh, get, get... Let the tide do its work. Let, let the tide do its work. <laughs> let, let the, let the uh, d- laundry detergent do its work. And Malachi 3.2 says, Who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire... And like Fuller's soap, so there's your fire for the hard things, and your soap and water for the for the soft things. God's trying to take out the things that don't look like Him, mm-hmm. so that we can be imitators of Him, so that we can bring Him glory, so that we can be be flattering to Him. Um, you know, well, let me just read that same scripture in in the Aramaic Bible in plain yeah. in English. Uh-huh. Who endures the day in which he comes, or who can be standing when he is revealed? Because he is like the fire of a refiner and lye that bleaches, L-Y-E, not L-I-E, lye that bleaches. Uh, The Holman Christian Standard Bible says, but who can endure the day of his coming and who will be able to stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire and like cleansing lye. The New English Bible says, but who can endure the day of his coming and who will stand when he appears for he's coming like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. So there's a whole pallet of Tide (laughs) waiting for us to help us get to be like him. You know, when Jesus was walking on the earth and 
and he he took Peter, James, and John up into the um, the mountain, which we know now. It's the story of the transfiguration. Philip, would you read Mark 9, 1 through 4 from the Passion? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. There are some standing here now who won't experience death until they see God's kingdom realm manifest with power. After six days, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, Jacob and John, and hiked up a high mountain to be alone. And Jesus' appearance was dramatically altered, for he was transfigured before their very eyes. His clothing sparkled and became glistening white, whiter than any bleach in the world could make them. Then suddenly, right in front of them, Moses and Elijah appeared. Yes. Oh, wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus, when Jesus was transfigured, his clothing sparkled and became glistening white, whiter than any bleach in the world could make them. Our goal here is to become like him. Mm-hmm. He wants us to be shining ones, just like he is, because the world has gotten very dark. Yeah. Would you like to read Revelation 1, 13 to 16 from the Tree of Life version? Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of Adonai has risen on you. For behold, darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the peoples. But Adonai will rise upon you and his glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light, kings to the brilliance of your rising. Lift up your eyes and look all around. They all gather. They come to you. Your sons will come from far away, your daughters carried on the hip. Then you will see and be radiant, and your heart will throb and swell with joy. And in verse 9, Surely the islands will hope in me with the ships of Tarshish in the lead, to bring your sons from afar, their silver and gold with them. For the name of Adonai your God and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. Now we know that this is a promise for Israel, mm-hmm. but we Gentiles who are, who are grafted in get to be part of the same promises that Israel gets. So we are to arise and shine and we're to arise and shine because our light has come. And his, the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. And, and the nations are going to come to the light when we are filled with the light of God because he has glorified us. Well, how is he going to glorify us unless we spend time with him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll become shining ones as we allow him to work his light in us, as we spend time going from glory to glory. And glory to glory. When Jesus stood up in the, in the synagogue in Nazareth, he read from Isaiah 61. And he wants to live in us and do in us the same things. We're called to do the same things that he was called to do. So what does Isaiah 61 say? Isaiah 61, starting with verse 1 from, from the Amplified Classic, says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor, and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives, and the opening of the prison and of the eyes to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of his favor, and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, 
to grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion, to give them an ornament, a garland or diadem of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment expressive of praise instead of a heavy burdened and failing spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong, and magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice, and right standing with God the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. See, there's the flattery. Mm -hmm. We're flattering Mm -hmm. him when we're doing these things. And they shall rebuild the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations and renew the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Verse 6 says, But you shall be called the priests of the Lord, people who will speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of nations and the glory once that of your captors shall be yours. Verse 10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. He makes us the shining ones by his presence within us. Second Samuel twenty two twenty nine says, for you are my lamp, O Lord and the Lord will lighten my darkness. Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light Mm. unto my path. We get filled up on the word and we get full of light. Proverbs 6.23, For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Proverbs 20.7 says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. When we respond to our conscience, he put our conscience in us, and that is the candle of the Lord. And Mm -hmm. and people will be attracted to us as we are faithful to obey our conscience, as we're faithful to obey the Holy Spirit. It's going to, they're going to be attracted to us. We'll be irresistible. Yeah. When we uh-huh. allow that that travail and that compassion to flow through us like it did through Jesus. That's powerful. Hallelujah. It's powerful. It's powerful. Yeah. And, and that's what the Lord wants to do through us. He wants us to get outside of the church. He wants us, Jesus hung out with sinners. I mean, mm-hmm. just just remember that the Pharisees were fussing at him for hanging out with, you know, the old King James calls it publicans. Publicans, yeah. Uh, it, that that troubled me for the longest time until I learned that they were called publicans because they collected public money, which is taxes. Mm-hmm. That's what makes them publicans. So I, I learned. I learned. Which makes them sinners too. <laughs> Probably <laughs> in the eyes of the, their own people. Yeah, their own people are ready to to fuss at them because most of them were cheating. Mm-hmm. They weren't just only collecting the taxes; they were, you know, taking a little squeeze for themselves. So Jesus was hanging out with these tax collectors and and sinners, um, really sinners. Luke 15, starting with verse 1, says uh, from the Amplified Classic, and now the tax collectors, <laughs> it, it really amplifies this, the tax collectors and notoriously and especially wicked sinners were all coming <laughs> near to Jesus to hear him, to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes kept muttering and indignantly complaining, saying, This man accepts and receives and welcomes preeminently wicked sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, if he has a hundred sheep and should lose one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness, desert, and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his own shoulders rejoicing. And when he gets home, He summons together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, 
Rejoice with me, because I have found my sheep that was lost. Thus I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one especially wicked person who repents, changes his mind, abhorring his errors and misdeeds, and determines to enter upon a better course of life than over ninety-nine righteous persons who have no need of repentance. He's, yeah. he's looking for us to look at people that way, mm-hmm. that we not look at them and disdain them, but that we we have his burning compassion. Remember what it says in Revelation chapter 1, 13 through 16. You've got that in the, the passion there, I think. Just read the description of what Jesus looks like in his glorification. And walking among the lampstands, I saw someone like a son of man, wearing a full-length robe with a golden sash over his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, white as glistening snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were gleaming like bright metal, as though they were glowing in a fire, and his voice was like the roar of many rushing waters. Wow. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword, and his face was shining like the brightness of the blinding sun. When I saw him, I fell down at his feet as good as dead. Wow. That was the bright and shiny one, that yeah. he, wants, he wants us to imitate him and let his love shine through us. Our, our, our founder wrote a little chorus. Let the love of my God shine through me. Let the beauty of Jesus men see. Let the pattern of the sun be the one, the only one that man will see in me. He's beautiful. He yeah. wants us to be shining ones, letting his love shine through us, shining through us to the wicked, shining through us to the tatted, shining through us, through the pierced, shining through us to to every kind of sinner there is, from the highest to the lowest. He wants to shine his light, his love through us. He's not willing that any should perish. Mm-hmm. But if nobody's praying for them, they're not likely to make it. And he wants us to be moved by his compassion and to become the house of the Lord. We we know that from 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, do you not know that your body is the temple, the very sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, whom you have received as a gift from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, purchased with a preciousness, and paid for, made his own. So honor God and bring glory to him in your body. Make your life shining with his presence, shining with his life shining with his light, shining with his love. Be a house of prayer. Isaiah 56, 7 says, Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for For all all people. people. Be a house of prayer. God is looking for these shining ones that will allow his very presence 
Just, just allow the Holy Spirit's presence within you to change the atmosphere. Let the Holy Spirit pray through you. Pray in tongues. Pray in weeping. Pray in travailing. Pray in laughter. Pray in compassion. Get your eyes on Jesus and see what he's doing and then imitate him. It will be the sincerest form of flattery and it will bring, it will bring joy to him and glory to him as you flatter him and give him the glory in the earth. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with His overwhelming, loving presence.